0: Going to talk about another holy habit. We've learned that we are to train ourselves for godliness. That's what we're doing here on planet Earth. We're we're training ourselves 24 hours a day to be godly men, women, boys, and girls. And one of the ways that we do that is to build into our life the habit of worshiping God regularly. All right? And that's what Hebrews chapter 13 is all about. I'm just going to read two verses to you. That's Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. I'll be sharing it with you today out of the NIV because I love the way the NIV translates verse 15, which says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be satisfied today and well pleased with the sacrifices of praise and worship that we give to you. Teach us from your word and help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, back in seminary, I learned that every good sermon has a thesis sentence to it. That is one statement or one sentence that sums up the whole sermon. Well, Steve, I don't know if this is a good sermon, but I do have a thesis statement, All right, And this is it. Passionate followers of Jesus, which I want to be one of, don't you? I want to be a passionate follower of Jesus, right? Passionate followers of Jesus are in the habit of glorifying God in worship. That's just something we built into our life. It is a a habit that we do seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and Sunday is just kind of like the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake, all right? We are in the habit, the holy habit, of glorifying God through our praise and our worship. You see, we as human beings were created like everything else that God did create to glorify Him, all right? All right? I was gone last Sunday. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, witnessing to 800 people who really needed the Lord. Brother Dave preached. I watched him, I watched him, uh, live stream. He talked about if you don't praise God, rocks are going to praise God, right? All right. God made everything to give him the praise, honor, and glory that he deserves. And the cool thing is we get to put our whole being into glorifying God in our worship. Now, that worship is private. It starts in my heart. But it goes public when it comes out of my mouth and through my bodies and when we do it with other people. Now, the book of Hebrews was written to believers who were being tempted to abandon their faith in Jesus Christ and to go back to the legalistic ways of their old Jewish religion. So, if they were abandoning Christ, it stands to reason that they would also abandon His church. So the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10.25, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day, the return of Jesus Christ, approaching. See, these believers had developed the bad habit of not meeting together with other believers for public worship and mutual encouragement. But God wants us to meet together. Okay? That's God's will for your life. That you be a part of a local church and that you meet together on a regular basis to worship God well. And He's given us His Word in order that we might know how to do that. And so this morning, for the next few minutes, we're just going to chew on verses 15 and 16 and gain as much wisdom and truth as we possibly can gain about how to worship well. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Passionate followers of Jesus are in the habit of glorifying God in worship. We need to develop that holy habit of worshiping God. And this is how we do it. I got seven points in 20 minutes. You might say, impossible. Well, if you listen quick, we can do it. all right? So the first service, if I see you dozing out there and drifting, I'll just lower down a bit until you catch up with me. So are you ready? Number one, there is the way to our worship. It's found in verse 15. The verse begins, through Jesus. So he's the way to worship. It is through the doorway of Jesus. The Bible tells us there's only one way to God in salvation, and that is through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except that He come through me. No mistake about it, there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. And there's only one way to approach God in worship. That is through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 10, it explains it. Listen to verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body... And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. When we worship, that's what we're doing. We're drawing near to God. That's what worship is. It's coming into the presence of God. Getting close to God. Worship is delivered in person. That is, I present my body a living sacrifice in the presence of a holy God. That's what it is. Worship is getting in God's presence and praising Him. But there's a huge problem. Our God's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And the Bible tells us we are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that God's holiness, and He is holy, His holiness is like this consuming fire. And anything that comes into contact with that consuming fire, His holiness, will be consumed. It's going to be perished. That kind of leaves us in a pickle, doesn't it? We were made to worship and praise God, but on our own, in our sins, we can't go in the presence of God to worship Him. It's kind of like this picture of a fireman that we have behind me here. In fact, there's two firemen. There's a burning house and these firemen... Perhaps they're going to go into that house and rescue a a little baby or maybe a dog that's in that house. Wouldn't you say, well, they would be afraid to go through those flames? Not necessarily. Because they are wearing a special suit that is flame retardant. It is fire resistant. They have oxygen tanks on their back so that they can breathe. They're not afraid to go into that fire to rescue somebody because they have the right kind of suit on. Now if they were wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt, they better not go through that fire. Because they're going to be consumed. Yet because of that fireproof suit that they're wearing that is flame resistant, they can go through the fire. And friends, the point is this. The only way that we as sinners can come into the presence of a holy God in worship is for us to walk through that curtain Wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh boy. Amen. That's some good preaching right there. All right. The only way I can stand before the throne of God and give him the worship that he deserves and demands is when I'm wrapped in the righteousness of his son Jesus. I'm clothed. With His righteousness. I'm wearing His garment of praise. Now, God is worthy of all of our praise, but we don't get to worship God just in any old way we want to worship Him. Not at all. In fact, there are worship traditions of humans that are unacceptable to God. Religions of the world have a lot of different ways to worship God, but you know what? It doesn't necessarily get through to God no matter how sincere it is, if it isn't done in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our worship can only get to God when it's done through Jesus. So whether it's praying or giving or praising or singing or playing an instrument or or serving, it's not going to do any good unless it's done through Jesus and we're wearing His righteousness. Woo! Man, i got to take a breath right here. Man, I, I don't know if you listen to uh, Christian music I do on the radio. and uh, There's a new song out. It's not really new. It's been on a while. I've heard it. I can't remember. Angie's told me the name of this lady before. What's her name? Jamie Grace. I want to get my worship on, she said. Then I'm going to get my worship on. Y'all heard that song? I would sing it, but I can't sing it. I'm going to get my worship on. And I'm thinking, sister, what are you talking about? Getting your worship on. Well, I understand it now. She's talking about getting her worship on, wearing the garment of righteousness. Some of you people need to get your worship on. You left it in the car this morning. Or it's back at your house. (laughs) Hey, let me tell you, when you come in this place, you better be wearing your worship. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is the only way we, we, we can worship God is through His Son, Jesus. Are you wearing His righteousness? Number two, the activity of our worship. Verse 15 says, let us offer to God. That word offer is an action word. It, it, it was the word that was used to describe the activity of a priest making a sacrifice. There was effort involved in that. I'm reading through the Old Testament uh, in my my yearly reading plan. I'm reading through where these priests, these Levites, were continually offering up animal sacrifices to God. They were elbow deep into a bull or a ram, yanking their guts out, (laughs) offering the blood. I mean, it took effort. It, it, It was not something that was passive. It was an activity they were involved in. And what that means to me is this. You don't just come and sit and watch in church. You're involved. You stand. You sit. You sing. You listen. You give. You write. You kneel. You're engaging your body in worship to Almighty God. In the Jewish religion of the Old Testament, there were, there were people known as priests. They were actually the, the tribe of Levi. They were set apart from the people of God for the worship of God. And everything about these priests, the way they dressed, the way they acted, the things they did, the offerings they made, all shouted worship. Because it was their life. They could have no land inheritance. They were were made by God to worship God. That was their job. It was their function. They were the designated worshipers of the people of Israel. Kind of like a designated hitter in baseball. You got a guy sitting over on the bench. He's paid a high salary. He is there to do one thing. When his number is called, he gets a bat. He goes up to the plate and he gets a hit. He is a designated hitter. That's his job. These priests stepped in to do the work that others were not capable of doing. But you know what? That was the Old Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament anymore. We're under a new covenant with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that all of us as believers are priests unto God. We're called believer priests. In other words, there are no spectators when it comes to worshiping God. You're a priest. There are no designated Worshippers, all of us as believer priests should be actively engaged in offering worship to God with every fiber of our being. Because listen, that's why you were made. You worship God. Woo, man! Uh, I wasn't going to tell this, but I, I told the first service that just out of impulse. So I guess I'll tell you. I, I had the great privilege yesterday of being down in Texas. I'd say, quail hunting. In fact, I got to take the church staff down there. It was, a, it was a time of retreat. I got a buddy who owns a big ranch down there. They do private quail hunts, and he invited uh, me and the church staff to go down there and quail hunt. Uh, we, got to, we got to worship with him. He, he gave a little lesson on, uh, he's been he's 63 years old, been in ministry all his life, uh, the things that he would do over again in ministry if he could. And that was, that was great, man. That was awesome. Then we got to go out on, in the field and hunt quail. Anybody ever been quail hunting before? Raise your hand, hold it high. A few of you have, all right? It's, it's great fun. Uh, back when I was a youth pastor 30 years ago in Enid, Oklahoma, my pastor, Buddy Drake, raised bird dogs, and he bird hunted, so he took me with him. But it's been over 30 years since I've been bird hunting, all right? Some of the guys on our staff have never been bird hunting before, and there were two groups of four with a guide and a couple of bird dogs, and I was in a group with, with, uh, with some of our staff guys, and and the first thing the, the guide said was, okay, there's, there's two things here. Don't shoot me, he's talking about himself, don't shoot me and don't shoot one of my bird dogs. He said, that bird dog right there, Sassy's worth $20,000. The other bird dog, uh, Duke, is worth $10,000. If you accidentally shoot Sassy, you're going to owe me 20000 bucks. Let me tell you, we were just a little bit skittish at that point. I didn't mind shooting him too bad, but I sure didn't want to shoot Sassy. My prayers we started out in that field is, Lord, help us not to kill each other. And help us not to kill one of those bird dogs. Lord, please, Jesus, protect them, you know. But it's been a long time since I've been quail hunting. And, and I forgot how exciting it is. I mean, you're out in a field and you're just walking through a field. There, there were five of us walking along, uh, four hunters. The guy, he had two bird dogs. He let those bird dogs loose. And I mean, they, they were going back and forth over this field, running as fast as they could. These bird dogs were trained to hunt birds. In fact, they were made by God to hunt birds. That's, that, that's their life. That's what they know. And they are machines. I mean, there, there is nothing in that dog but, but bone and skin and muscle because they're running all the time. They're as lean as they can be. And they'd be running down through those fields, and all of a sudden, It would just freeze up. That dog would just freeze and Sassy's an actual pointer. She would get real low to the ground. That tail would shoot straight up. That old leg would come up and she'd just be staring. And we, we might be 40, 50 yards away and we're walking up there. She's not moving an inch. She's just, she's doing what she's made to do. Get up close to her. Muscle, bone, skin. That's all this dog is. She's been standing there so long, pointing so long, her whole body is shaking and trembling. But she's not moving because that's what she's made to do. Our guy would get up there and said, Get him, sassy. She'd jump in that covey of quail bed, go up. (laughs) Sounded like World War III with us shooting everywhere. It it was pretty funny. My point is this, I was, watch, I was more amazed at those dogs. Let me tell you, I was more amazed with those dogs than our shooting ability, that's for sure. But I was blown away with those dogs. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's what those dogs were made to do. and They do it good. They were made to do that. That's what their whole existence is about, doing that. You know what, church? We were made to worship God. With every fiber of our being, we are made... To give praise and worship, honor and glory to God. So don't just sit there with your whole being, everything in you. Give praise to God. It's what you're made to do. It's the activity of our worship. I'm going to have to hurry. I told you 20 minutes. It's going to take me longer if I keep telling you bird dog stories. I got, I got a funny story though. <laughs> About bird dogs. There's a, there's a couple of brothers who are both dead. They were Free Will Baptist preachers. Uh, one of them was a theologian. I mean, he could take the Word of God and just give you an expose on the Word of God. Break down every word. Tell you everything within the Word. Great great Bible preacher. He'd preach a sermon, give an invitation. Nobody had come. His brother would get up, read read a passage of Scripture. Never go back to the Scripture. Tell stories about bird dogs getting shot or finding birds or whatever, give an invitation, and everybody would come pray at the altar. I, you know what? I need to, I need to tell more bird-dog stories, don't I? Uh, goodness. The activity of worship. Number three is the consistency of our worship. Verse 15 says, Let us continually offer to God. Continually. We worship well when we worship continually. Not just on special days. Like Sunday. Oh yeah, we are to worship on Sundays. But you know what? The deal is, we are to bring our worship with us on Sunday. It's something we've been doing seven days a week. 24 hours a day. We've done God our worship on. And we're just bringing it into the house with us. Thank you. Psalms 118.24 is the verse I started with. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a seven day a week thing. When we worship well, we worship continually. Not just on special days and not just, listen to me, not just on good days. First Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Not just when you feel like it. In all things we are to give praise to God. There are not praise the Lord days and grumble at God days. They are all to be praise the Lord days. Are you going to have bad days? Yes, you will. Will we have broken hearts and disappointments? Absolutely. So, the day you dread... The day you have to go for a painful treatment or, or the day you have a test at school or the day you have that difficult conversation with a coworker, Understand this, that is a praise the Lord day. Because we praise God in all circumstances. Because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Every word we speak, every action we take, every thought that we think is to be an offering of worship to God. So no matter what you're doing, Talking on the phone, communicating on Facebook, making a sales call, changing a diaper, teaching an English class, cheering at a basketball game. It is a praise the Lord moment. Number four, the presentation of our worship. This verse talks about sacrifices of praise and fruit of lips. The Bible says we're all priests. We've established that. And the offerings that we make are sacrifices of praise unto God. This is the proper way for worship to be presented to God. With praise. Jesus said the kind of worshipers the Father seeks are those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. So here's where it happens. My praise begins in my soul. It begins in my heart. I think about who God is and all God has done. I think about how great He is and how deserving of praise He is. And that's boiling up inside of my soul. It starts right here in my heart, but it has to come out. Worship is not biblical worship if it stays inside of you. It has to find expression through your lips. And you know, I think if we're not careful, it can be like singing the national anthem. You've sung the National Anthem so many times, you'll stand and sing it without even thinking about the words you're saying. It's that way in worship. We come to church and we stand and we sing our songs, but we're just going through the motions. We're reading words on a screen. They're coming out of our lips, but they haven't started in our heart. We're just saying words. We are to offer to God the sacrifices of praise that starts in our heart and finds expression through our lips. It is the fruit of lips, verse 15 says. Now I understand sometimes worship is done silently. That's for sure where it starts. And I know that we have our private times of worship. But you know what? You can't stay private in your worship and witness for Jesus Christ. That explode it's got to explode inside of you at some point in time and it has to come out of your lips. That's where it goes. It goes through your lips. Praise and worship must be heard from our lips. Some of you make the excuse say, well preacher, I don't sing well so I just don't sing at all. Well my question is, who are you singing for anyway? I mean really it, it gets down to a pride issue you need to take up with God. I kind of got to a point, I don't, care if the, I don't care if the people around me hear me or don't hear me. If they think, boy, he can sing good, or man, that guy, he needs to take a voice lesson. But I'm not singing for them. Really, honestly, when you get down to it, no matter what that preacher's wife down in Houston says, you're not even doing it for yourself. You'd have to watch that little video, and I'm not going to go anywhere with that. You know what? You're doing it for God. <laughs> oh, Lord, I need to think about the things I say before I say them, don't I? I, I do realize some of you people are, are people of few words, but you know what? That is no excuse for withholding your praise to God with your lips. You tell me, what kind of marriage would you have if you never told your spouse you loved them or that you appreciated them or that you expressed your admiration for them? Some of you guys are thinking, oh, am I supposed to do that? I've heard people say well you know what they know how I feel I just don't express myself that way No, <laughs> Let me tell you, that ain't going to cut it it doesn't cut it in a marriage and it certainly doesn't cut it in your relationship with God we are to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise from our lips we show our adoration to God in every way we know how through worship, through singing, through, through expressions of praise, through telling other people how good God is. It starts right here in your heart, but it doesn't stay there. It's got to come out. It's the fruit of the lips. But in order for us to worship well, we need to understand, number five, the essence of our worship. Verse 15, it says, that openly profess His name. So we must be confessing the name of Jesus openly. You see, our worship is also our witness. Maybe you haven't thought of it like that, but it is. Our worship is our witness. It it goes back to not being ashamed of Jesus. Our worship should be unashamedly Christ-centered. Really, this is where all of creation and all of history is going. Toward a day when, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So could it be that there is little worship coming from our lips because there is little love in our hearts for the Lord? Let me tell you, if He isn't our treasure, He's not going to be the center of our praise. When we worship well, our worship is through Jesus Christ, and it's all about Jesus. We start thinking about all God's done for us, how He's changed our life, how He's set us free, how He's blessed us, how He's given us everything we have, how we have this family, this church, other believers, our family, everything that God's given us. And we think about that and it wells up in our soul and we can't keep it there. And we express that praise and worship through our lips and we openly profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I don't care who knows, I'm a Christian. I want to let you know I serve Jesus. I'm thankful for Jesus. One of the things we got to do yesterday is is not only bird hunt, we got to meet a a famous guy, Coach John Blake. anybody know who Coach John Blake is? Ah, Boomer Sooner. All right, man. You bet. He coached the the. Not only did he coach the Sooners, he played for the Sooners and uh, won a championship with them. Coached there a couple of years. Coached with the Dallas Cowboys. Won two Super Bowl rings with the Cowboys. I got pictures of myself wearing those Super Bowl rings. All the other guys on staff did too, and and holding up the Vince Lombardi trophies that he won from the Cowboys. He is a great man. Let me tell you, he is a follower of Jesus Christ. He is a passionate follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He and I were in a private conversation. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm, I've got some opportunities to go coaching again. The Giants are talking to me. Alabama's talking to me. Would you pray for me that God would give me wisdom to know what to do? So right there, I prayed for him. And this big old football player, coach, man, he, he, he's wearing his Super Bowl ring. And we're praying over each other. Is awesome. You know what I found out about Coach John Blake? He's not ashamed of his Savior Jesus Christ. My friend Larry told me. He said we'll go into Larry and, and John will go into a restaurant. And he said before we have lunch, oh John, he'll call the waitress over. The, the people at the other table say, "Do you got a prayer request? Lord, you need the Lord to do something in your life." You know, and he he'll gather all these people around our table. And when he's praying over our meal, he'll be praying for those people. <laughs> oh man, I tell you what. It's good to see that in a person, isn't it? He told me before he left, he said, hey, hey, if I'm ever in Fort Smith, I'll come to your church and I'll preach to your people. <laughs> I said, brother, come on, man. Come on. We need it, man. We need it. What is it's about not being ashamed of Jesus Christ? Number six, it's the life of our worship. Look at verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So here's the deal, listen to me. We worship with our lips and also with our life. We worship with our talk and with our walk. We worship with our words and our works. We live out this life of worship and we show love to other people, verse 16 says, by doing good and by sharing with others. Doing good can cover all kinds of ministries. Like feeding the homeless. Downtown like we'll do at the end of this month. It's like what we do every Monday by by feeding people who are hungry and needy. It's by taking somebody to a doctor's appointment. Or helping them out at their house with work that they have to do. Or helping someone pay their rent. Or like it was last weekend, shoveling snow off your neighbor's sidewalk. It's just doing good. You're not only praising God with your lips, you're out in the community making a difference, doing good. Then he talks about sharing with others. Literally, this means to make yourself a partner with someone else in their need by investing in the meeting of that person's need. I've done a lot of funerals through the years, and I I like it at funerals when you can talk about a person and use this little phrase to describe their life. This guy right here, he's the kind of guy that would give you the shirt off his back. You ever heard that to describe somebody at a funeral? Or maybe you know people right now in your life like that. They are the kind of people who, they don't care about themselves, they care about other people. To the point they would literally take off their shirt and give it to you if you needed a shirt. That's what this is talking about. Doing good and sharing with others. In fact, it goes back to what the writer said at the beginning of this chapter in chapter 13, 1 through 3. He said, keep loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. The bottom line is we glorify God in our worship and with our lips and with our lives. We show how much we treasure God with our lips by our words and our songs and our sermons and we show how much we treasure God by our lives when we are willing to give up our possessions to help other people. Really, it comes down to this. Who do we treasure? Do we treasure God or do we treasure stuff? And when God is right here at the very center, you know what? This stuff doesn't matter. We're going to use it to help other people. That brings me to point number. How many points did I say I had? I added two or three more here. No, this is it right here. So listen. It's called the pleasure of our worship. I love how verse 16 ends. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. With such sacrifices. What have we talked about? We've talked about praising God with our lips and with our life. With these sacrifices that start in our heart, God is well pleased. With such praise, God is well pleased. You see, the idea here is not, it's not what kind of worship pleases me. In fact, that is not even in the discussion here. That really doesn't even come up in this passage. You know what? That's all we're consumed with. Now don't get me on my pony and let me ride this morning. But I tell you, I get sick and tired of people going from one church to another church because of the worship. Or people griping and complaining because of the worship. Or, or you know, goodness. I could get real personal right here. Some of you have picked this worship service because you you love the worship. You love the music. We have another service at 9 o'clock. Those people love that music. They picked that service because they love that music. What what makes them feel good? I'm telling you this with all the love that's in my heart, but you know what? I, I really don't care how you take it. I'm just going to tell you the truth. You know what? That shouldn't even come into the discussion because you know what? It ain't about you! Oh Lord, have mercy. I'm glad we just had yearly elections. Honestly, that's, you know, I love, Steve, I love the story about your mama when, when we were kind of going through a struggle here with worship. And, and I think Steve asked his mama what she thought about it. She said, Steve, it doesn't matter what I think. It's not about me. It's to God. Church, let, let, me, let me remind you of, of the stark reality that it is not about you. Really, the, the issue is, God, what worship that comes from my lips and my life is pleasing to you? It's not what I want. It's what you want, God. Really, Lord, what is pleasing to you? Guys, it's kind of like this. You have made a major mistake if you purchase for your wife on Valentine's Day a chainsaw. I I said that this morning, and I found out there was a guy in the service this morning, an older fellow in the church who gave his wife a chainsaw for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, I, listen, I understand there may be one woman in this entire room that would appreciate a chainsaw, all right? Most of the women in this room would not appreciate a chainsaw on either Christmas, their birthday, or Valentine's Day. All right? Guys, you wouldn't be buying that to please your wife. You're buying that to please yourself. But I can flip it around, Ladies. Don't be buying your husband a certificate for a pedicure. Again, there may be one. <laughs> uh, that's not even going to go there either, you know. That might please you, ladies, but it, don't, it doesn't please him. So my point is this. Stop thinking about pleasing yourself in worship. Think about what pleases the Lord. Mm. And according to the Bible, not what I think, or not what I feel, or what I want. According to the Bible, I am worshiping in a way that pleases God when number one, I worship through Jesus Christ. I've done God my worship on. And I've come into the house of God wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ His Son. My sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God looks down and sees me worshiping and praising Him, He sees His Son. Jesus inside of Will Hartman. He's pleased with that. I'm worshiping in a way that pleases God when number two, I'm actually actively offering my praise to God with my words and my songs. I'm not just sitting there soaking it up to where I soon sour. I'm worshiping like that bird dog hunts birds with every fiber of my being. I'm into it. I'm worshiping in a way that pleases God when number three, I worship continually. Not just on special days and not just on good days. 24-7, I'm offering praise with my lips to my Lord. And I'm worshiping in a way that pleases God when number four, I worship with my lips and with my life by giving up my stuff to help other people. tell you with that God is well pleased it's my prayer that God is well pleased with your life today and he is if you've given him everything and you're holding nothing back for yourself I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes just for for a time of kind of introspection for you to look inside your own heart and see what's there maybe you're here today and, and you've never Receive Christ as your Savior. You're lost in your sins. Before you can ever enter the presence of God, you've got to go to Jesus. So this morning, would you come to Jesus? Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart. He will save you, change you, and set you free. Maybe you're here today and you're just you're away from God. You've been saved, but you're not living the life you need to be living. You know that. Boy, God's convicting you of that right now. Would you just come and get things right with me? Could be that you've got all kinds of problems in your life and you just need to come and unload those problems on the Lord. He's here and He's able to help. Would you come? But for the rest of us, for all of us, let's use this time as a passionate follower of Jesus Christ to start the holy habit of glorifying God in worship. Whether you do it there in your pew or whether you bring it to this altar, would you bring your praise to God right now? Say, thank you, Lord. I worship you. I praise you. I present my body a living sacrifice, Lord. Use me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd speak personally to each one of us and help us respond in a way that is pleasing to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? It's about a nice close.